A new season has brought us a familiar winner in Sakia, but there has been a big shake-up in the order to start the F1 season in 2023. Welcome back to episode number 262 of Grid Talk. Today we're going to be here to discuss the season opening 2023 Bahrain Grand Prix. My name is George Housen, and joining me today we have Grid Talk and Monkey Seat host Tom Horrocks. Hello. Phil Matthew from the Grip Strip podcast. Hello. And Aaron Harper from AHGP. How are we, chaps and ladies? Very well, very well, thank you. Other than the result for for a good portion of our uh, teams here on the um on the on the on the panel, but I will uh, yeah we'll we'll get into that. Uh, before I do that, uh, I'm just going to mention that if you enjoy this podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you can take five to leave us a five star rating on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. That would really mean a lot to us. Uh, and if you're one of the 72 percent of people who aren't yet subscribed to our YouTube channel, please head over to Grid Talk on YouTube. Give us a like uh, on on this show. Give us a subscribe for the channel, and also don't forget to ring the bell icon either, because then you'll be notified when the uh, when the show goes out live. Like today's show is going out live. We're going out about an hour or so after the Bahrain Grand Prix is concluded today. Uh, so yeah, so I mentioned in our intro that um, that Max Verstappen uh, won this race. It has continued his form really from last year. Phil, it was a very dominant performance by the Dutchman today. He was absolutely untouchable, really. I mean, the closest anybody really got to him was Charles Leclerc in the first corner. But besides that, he was not challenged today. He won over by over 10 seconds in the end. Yeah, just more of the same. And uh, it's a concern for everybody else on the grid that is thinking they might have a chance to contend this year for the World Championship, unfortunately. Uh, Max Verstappen and Red Bull have not lost anything. So uh, he really had no challenge uh, other than, as you mentioned, Leclerc. But every lap he'd gain seven or eight tenths. And he had a seven plus second lead after 11 laps. And that was basically it. Once the pit stop started, uh, he was able to dictate whatever he needed to do. Checo eventually gets back up in front due to something we'll mention later. And um, that was the end of it. There really wasn't much of a challenge. Uh, I don't really see much of a challenge, at least uh, for this race. I knew it wasn't going to happen this race or probably at Saudi. I figured any type of real changes would start in Australia, and I was proven right today. But uh, good job by them. kind of following up what they did uh, last the last couple of years really now he's won at Bahrain and uh, going to Saudi where he won last year after having a DNF in this race in this race last year yeah it really is the perfect start for Red Bull I mean obviously they had a very slow start to the season uh, last season they had a quick car but an unreliable car uh, and today it was incredibly reliable and quick just like they ended the 2022 season it's quite ominous for the rest of the drivers um and obviously very early stages uh Aaron but you know uh, going, going off of the gap that uh, the Red Bulls had to the rest of the field it's you know you're thinking that the only person that can really challenge Max Verstappen on a day-to-day basis would be his teammate Checo Perez uh, Sergio today I think he did a good job came home second he did not really challenge um didn't really challenge Verstappen, but I don't think anybody could have done that today. And obviously, maybe Leclerc was having some problems at that stage, but he'd put in a good move on Charles Leclerc and got some good distance on him after losing out at the start. 
yeah, I mean, Checo did the job that he is paid to do by Red Bull, which was finish second to Max Verstappen and make sure Red Bull collect as many points as possible. The only point they missed out on this weekend was the one for fastest lap. So all in all, Checo did a perfect job for what Red Bull require him to do. Ultimately, though, I don't see him challenging Verstappen throughout the season. That car is now being tailored to Max Verstappen's uh, every need and wish, and Checo will just have to put up with it, unfortunately, because that's the way teams uh, operate. They build the car around the fastest driver to make sure that it's as fast as it can be and it's driven to its full capacity and gets the best result possible. So Verstappen, any challenge to Verstappen will come from outside of Red Bull, but that challenge at the moment doesn't seem forthcoming. The pace advantage they had, as Phil mentioned, Verstappen eight tenths of a second regularly in the opening stages, faster than anybody else on the the track. Um, It would have been interesting to see how uh, Alonso would have fared in clear air to begin with if he hadn't had to fight through the Mercedes and the Ferraris. Maybe he could have put on a bit of a challenge, but I just think the Red Bull is so well finely tuned that any challenge from anyone that's that's going to be very, very difficult. And it, it looks very ominous. It, it might sound a bit dramatic and a bit doom and gloom, but for Stappen, it almost looks inevitable already. I mean, it feels a bit like the Sebastian Vettel days at Red Bull, where he was untouchable at times. And of course, the Mercedes Lewis Hamilton dominance. Okay, there was a bit more friction between teammates, especially 2014 to 2016, but it does look very ominous uh, for everybody else. But if you're a Max Verstappen fan, happy days. <laughs> yeah, the the Iranian army will be uh, celebrating long into tonight in Bahrain. They look thrilled with that win, and so they should do. It's looking very good for uh, their man and their team, obviously. Um, um, and we gave a we gave a mention to uh, Aaron. Just gave a mention to Fernando Alonso. There, he managed to get a podium on his debut for Aston Martin. Now, we did uh, we did think about this. Um, you know, we did think that Aston Martin were going to be up there after testing, but you know, we still kind of doubted it because it was a big jump for them. But Tom, how good were they today? Because, like, like Aaron mentioned, obviously, if Nano Alonso had to fight through the pack and he still managed to get 30 past the Mercedes out on track, he passed a Ferrari out on track. There's a genuine case to be made to say that Aston Martin is the second fastest car on the grid at the moment. Yeah, you plan this because you know how much I love Aston Martin, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> And if my maths is correct, I'm going to be getting uh, Mr. Stroll as well. So, uh, no, they've they've absolutely done an amazing job. And just to think, like the eight times constructors champions have been outdeveloped by the plucky team that you know that isn't going to hit its potential until they get the wind tunnel and factory online, which isn't happening. You know, it's not going to affect any cars until 2025, realistically, majorly anyway. And they've got more wind tunnel time than anyone around them as well certainly for the first part of the season anyway until they get the the next ATR restriction period comes in they're going to have more wind tunnel time than anyone around them so they can really make hay while the sun shines at the start of the season and just really get the potential out of this car uh, but the thing is as well you say it could have been so different you hit by his team out on lap one that could easily have been incredibly incredibly embarrassing double dnf on the first corner um, kept trying to get him a penalty without even knowing that it was him that gave him the uh, collision. But uh, yeah, he even lost out to Bottas on the first stops when Bottas stopped early, um, converting to a three-stopper. So he had to go get past Bottas on track. And there was that comms issue as well in the final stint. I'm absolutely certain that 
with Hamilton making the, the earlier stop, which I'm sure we'll come on to later, that he was just going to go long, classic Hamilton strategy, go long, switch to the um, to either softs or the mediums, and then and then go in hard on Hamilton right at the end and um, close in on Hamilton and Sainz. But Com's issue, it seems like they told him to stay out. He came in and they said, why, did, why, did, why didn't we stay out? Why did I come in? So there's obviously some kind of Com's issue in there. So with, with all that in mind, he still had to go on and pass Hamilton, still had to pass Carlos Sainz to get that podium. It's just it's a phenomenal it's a phenomenal result to be honest and it's been well over a year we, he's only been on the podium once since I believe since his Ferrari days which was Qatar 21 mm. so it's it's a long time coming and I'm you know I I've been a big critic of Alonso but I have to say that you know I, I said the same last year uh, completely converted me. I wouldn't go as far as to say I'm a Fernando Alonso fan now, but I was certainly got a lot more respect for his ability, which a certain Spanish person who comes on my podcast quite a lot is going to not let me forget about. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's a huge result for Aston Martin. You know, even when they were showing that pace and testing, we truthfully, I didn't believe it. I didn't think they'd quite be, you know, be quite up there. Um, I thought that you know maybe a podium would be on for actually to, you know to get it in his in his first race for the team is huge and for a guy that is infamous for making bad career decisions and moving to the wrong team at the wrong time he's pulled off the blinder here you compare where Aston Martin are compared to Alpine he's 100% improved his position but it's only one race let's see how they go through the season but obviously yeah they have a lot of wind tunnel time in theory they have more opportunity to improve the car than, than Red Bull and Ferrari and Mercedes even more than the likes of Alpine and McLaren because of where they finished last year um, but yeah, let's move on to uh, let's move on to the first driver off the podium. Uh, uh, a guy that idolizes, or at least idolized, Fernando Alonso when he was growing up, Carlos Sainz Jr. Um, I mean, Phil, it's kind of a hard one to read, really. I mean, he finished the race, which is more than uh, you know, more than Charles Leclerc managed because of the mechanical issues with his car. But will Ferrari be disappointed with their lack of pace because Hamilton was on Carlos Sainz in the closing stages and Fernando Alonso? passed him with relative ease and then pulled out a big gap. Yeah, I think for Ferrari, it's kind of more of the same from last year. They uh, they wonder what could have been or what could be. And now you add Fred Alonso with a car um, that he can actually drive. Uh, and he's not complaining about it, at least for now. And then um, and you're going to go and they're now they're that wild card player now. You have Mercedes who said that they completely whiffed again, which is, I think, three years, two and a half years, in a, three years in a row that they've whiffed with their cars, if not longer, if we're going to be really honest, but it was covered up. Um, both of those teams are going to continue to progress. So what is Ferrari's answer to that? Yes, Carlos Sainz is the more consistent of the two drivers. He's the one that's more likely to finish. The fact that he got a finish and got fourth place is good to at least give them some uh, some uh, points to start the year. Uh, he qualified well. Um, in the grand scheme of things, yeah, they looking at pace, they could be the second. They but right now probably they're tied for second with Aston Martin, and there's a good chance that within a few rounds they could fall all the way back to fourth. Um, the, the reliability problems that Charles Leclerc had prior to the race starting and some of the power unit components having to be replaced is not a good sign for any of these Ferrari teams, to be fair. 
but um, at least for Carlos, he got through this race, got a top five out of it, essentially what they were going to probably the best they could get um, after what happened to Charles. Yeah, uh, with the pace of the car, I think that's that's the most that Carlos Sainz could have really done with his race today. Um, you know, 12 points on the board, it, it's something. They would have been hoping for more, but I think realistically Ferrari were kind of playing down their the hopes of a good result this weekend, um, and it's justified really going off of that. But they're in the mix at least, which is something. Um, similar to Mercedes as well, Aaron. I mean, I think, uh, I think again, they're another team that are really playing down their expectations coming into this race, and... Uh, fifth place for Sir Lewis Hamilton. Again, that's that's probably the most he could have hoped for today. He maybe could have passed signs in the closing stages, but beyond that, that's that's realistically where the car is. Yeah, maybe maybe he could have got signs, but I think the the Mercedes just doesn't have the the traction. They they were talking about the rear end stability um, being an issue over the weekend, and then obviously the way to counteract that is to put more wing on the car. So maybe the, the the straight line speed of the Mercedes wasn't what it could have been potentially. I don't know which wing they ran with in the end because they were trialling as late as FP3, uh, a low downforce versus high downforce wing between the two drivers. But for Lewis, that was a, a really good drive, I think. He showed that he still got the wheel-to-wheel battle. That little sneaky move uh, on Alonso, where Alonso got a little bit excited on the exit of turn four showed he's still got the nails. He's still got the smell for the overtake, especially like the lap one move he pulled on Fernando as well. So I, I can't get enough of those two battling on the track. I think when you put them on, on the track together, it's just always a recipe for fun, exciting racing. They're, they're not silly enough to start pushing each other off the track. They know just about where the limit is. So they're never going to really come to grief, but it's always good to watch. Lots of fun. Um, the move that Alonso pulled on on Hamilton was a brilliant move. I don't think he had much defence there. And I think, like you say, P5 was about the best Mercedes could have hoped for because if it wasn't an Aston Martin ahead of them, it was going to be Ferrari. And worst case, it was both of them. Um, well, maybe not Stroll. I mean, he's coming back from injury and I don't think he's that top echelon of driver, but yeah, to be beaten by Aston Martin is a real kick in the teeth for Mercedes. And they've admitted that this might not be the right philosophy. So, but I must I must sort of caveat what they're saying there and put it into context. At the launch, they mentioned about a potential new side pod update. So should we be surprised that Toto Wolff is saying, yeah, this isn't the right thing to do? And it's also it, it all seems down in the dumps for Mercedes at the moment. But They've been saying this for a few weeks now. There's a new update coming in. So I think they found something, a philosophy, a way of developing this car, an angle of approach to, to get more out of it. And it's coming. And they're just trying to make the most of what they've got at the moment because they already knew it wasn't going to be good enough. And they're saying, oh, yeah, we well, you know it's not going to be good enough. That's what they're doing now, I think. It's sort of uh, deflection and smokescreen. And then, you know, if they turn up with a B-spec car in like Imola and they're on pace with the Red Bull... I mean, <laughs> who knows what what's going to come in the the cost cap um, checks later on down the line? But that that's a whole other story. That, that's a, a whole big conspiracy theory, and I won't go down that rabbit hole here. 
<laughs> yeah, let's let's not do that. Let's let's wait for the official facts and figures to come out from uh, from the teams before making those kinds of assumptions. Um, but yeah, like like we said, there it's the best they really could have hoped for. I mean, Hamilton and Russell almost a second a lap uh, off of Max Verstappen's pace over the over the whole race. 50, 50 odd seconds for both of them off the leader in the end. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it was amazing to see Alonso and, and Hamilton battle like they did. When, when Alonso was closing on Hamilton, I was thinking, oh, here we go again. This is it. And, and it, so it proved it was really entertaining to watch them two go at it. I mean, yeah, they have a combined age, I think, of 79. Um, you know, so the fact they're still doing what they're doing at their age, when most drivers, the vast majority of drivers have retired because they think, you know what, 200 miles an hour is actually pretty fast. You know, these guys are still going at it and it's it's, it's brilliant to see, it really is. Um, and let's let's give a mention to someone who we have in the past uh, not been very complimentary about, to say the least. But you know what, today I'm, I'm going to give him kudos for today because the fact that uh, Lance Stroll today has finished in sixth place, uh, beating George Russell out on track. Yes, admittedly, I think the Aston is a better car than the Mercedes. You should expect that. But he had surgery like a week ago, two weeks ago. You know, he's got a broken wrist and I think like his shoulder, his elbow is, is injured as well. And the fact that he's gone out there and got sixth place today, Tom, I think fair play. You know, that's one of his better drives. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we we, we need to kind of temper expectation a little bit in, in that we don't know what happened with Lance Stroll. They, they're they very cagey. He, he could have... You know, he could have just landed on his wrist and been like a bit ah, but you know he wouldn't have missed all of testing for 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 a minor kind of uh, strain or something like that. So it's clearly serious, and they took to get to the last minute to put him in the car. We don't know like what's happened, but the rumor is he's got steel plates in there or rods or something holding it all together. If that's the case, then absolutely he deserves a hero's welcome. But uh, but yeah, he was clearly in discomfort, and to to think that qualifying in in eighth place to then I think it was eighth place he qualified. Uh, yes, and then to to not only you know maintain that position given the physical pain he was more than likely in, to then move forward and move ahead of George Russell as well. You know he he gained two positions, one of which was due to the Ferrari dropping off, which we'll talk about later. But but to still you know to race competitively and to get ahead of George Russell and then be just behind Lewis Hamilton, um, just four or five seconds away from him at the end there and catching him. I think it's a it is a solid result. Aside from you know using his teammate as a break on turn one, uh, there was a, a very good uh, very good performance from him and um, you know that that's um, that racing with, with George was great as well. Good undercut, and then getting past him on the slightly warmer tyres as well. Uh, on um, to take to take P six from George Russell was um, was good, and yeah, like you say, he he definitely did not have the pace of Fernando Alonso. But do we expect that? Really, I mean, he's he's what well, he's less than twenty seconds off him. I know Alonso was very much in in uh, management mode once he got past uh, once he got past and away from Carlos Sainz. But but still, he's given what he's been through and what his overall seeing is anyway. That is a a solid result, um, and he did some good racing with with other other drivers as well when they're on the same part of the track as him. So yeah, for me, not a driver of the day performance. Spoiler alert, but certainly deserves a special mention for what he went through and for what he managed to pull off with the machinery he had as well. So, yeah, solid, solid result for Lance Stroll. Not, uh, not his best result on this track. He did get a podium, but that was a slightly different layout in Sakir. But uh, he, I think he'd still be very happy with that. 
Absolutely, yeah. I think I think if it wasn't for you know hitting his teammate on the first lap that could have ended in disaster for both of them, I think he would be in contention personally for me for driver of the day just because of obviously the injury that he's got. But yeah, uh, hitting Alonso on the first lap, I couldn't believe that. I was like, what have you done here? Um, you know, it's never easy on the first lap, cold brake, cold tires, but it looked to me like he just missed his braking point by about 20 meters. And uh, yeah, if it went for Alonso, he would have gone even deeper into that corner just trying to defend from George Russell. Um, but there we go. Definitely better for him for sure. Just, uh, yeah, we'll see how he gets on in Saudi uh, in two weeks' time. And yeah, we gave a mention to George Russell there, Phil. Uh, seventh place for him today. I mean, perhaps a little bit disappointing. Um, I mean, only five seconds or so off of um, off of Lewis Hamilton. But at the same time, maybe not his best day today. But again, the car doesn't look the easiest to drive. And around a track where traction is so key, uh, you know, that problem with the Mercedes is really going to hurt him hard. Yeah, it's, it kind of goes with how I felt uh, when uh, we did the hit for the preview and race preview. George was the better driver relative for the season last year. But this year, I figured that Lewis was going to be back and more motivated and understanding that they are behind and in turn kind of doing what he has to do while considering how good he is and the preparation he has to do, which is a world champion level preparation. George, you know, had a lot of great publicity and um, he is the future of Mercedes. One race isn't going to change that. Um, it's a track that he, it, uh, it's a, a track that he has definitely um, been all right at over his time. Uh, but you know, when you don't have the car, of course, it's not going to be easy. Um, I figure that uh, it goes the same as I would have said if I had Lewis. It's fine, whatever they get, as long as you're getting points. It's similar to last year. As long as you're getting points towards constructors, keeping yourself up there, you're not competing for first in constructors, basically. So you're trying to go for second. You have more points than Ferrari. And, you know, we'll see what happens with Aston Martin. Uh, but, yeah, unfortunate result today for him but a fortunate result he finished he got points cars in one piece get to go two weeks time in saudi see if he can get a top five there get back on that track as what he has been for a lot of last year and um kind of start making progress towards hopefully competing for that world championship for the first time uh here in 2023 yeah absolutely i'm with you on that one um now, obviously, last year we had a top three team uh, kind of dominating the championship. This this year, it seems like there's going to be a top four with Aston Martin joining the trio that we already know. So that means that today's best of the rest goes to Valtteri Bottas in eighth place with an Alfa Romeo. I don't know about you, Aaron, but I did not see this coming at all. I did not have much hope in, uh, for Alfa Romeo this this season, really. But in Valtteri Bottas's hand, at least, you know, it's good result today. This is where Bottas is showing his pedigree as a, a top-level F1 driver. He was made to look a bit rubbish at times by Lewis Hamilton. I mean, that's no disservice to Bottas. You could put any good F1 driver next to one of the super talents. Look at what happened to Rubens Barrichello at Ferrari. He was made to look a bit average on occasions by Schumacher. So we're now seeing the true level of Bottas. He's taking that Alfa Romeo car you can say into a position where it probably should be, but 
the expectation level was we're not quite sure where Alpha are. And there he is making up four places from where he started to finish eighth and grab solid points to start the season. You know, if, if, if Aston, as you say, are making it a big four, there's potentially two places that score points on offer every weekend if the top four all finish. They didn't all finish today, so Bottas got himself an extra couple of points in, in P8. So he can only do that. So we, we're we seeing the Bottas that we hoped for at Mercedes in terms of taking hold of the situation and leading the situation. But then, obviously, when he was at Mercedes, you have Lewis Hamilton. And as I said earlier, the team's build the car around the best driver in the team. And now Bottas is gaining those advantages because he's the lead driver. So we're going to see the best of Bottas that we can at the moment. And I think within himself, he's found almost like that that comfort zone. He's happy in his personal life. He's growing a moustache. He's having a mullet. You know, he's he's leaning into, you know, the, the fun side of being a Formula One driver. And we're seeing a really good version of Valtteri Bottas. I mean, what version are we on now? Like 12? But it, we're seeing the Bottas that we want to see. And it's really good. He did a really good job today. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he's he's shown, he's showing that, showing that, you know, no disrespect for him, but he can really take a midfield car and make it better. You know, he's one of those drivers. He's not, he's not at the level where he can make a, a top car, a championship car by itself. You know, it's... um. You know, that, that's kind of his level. He did a fantastic job today, really did. Um, it's credit to him because we didn't really see him that much. He just got on with it, you know, and best of the rest is absolutely deserved by him. Um, you know, as someone who's a, a shout for driver of the day, in my opinion, uh, for today, uh, the guy who finished in ninth place, uh, Pierre Gasly, I believe he started last because of a, a pit lane speeding penalty, something that his teammate copied several times during this race. But thankfully, Gasly steered clear of that, Tom, today and picked up a couple points on his Alpine debut. I think he did a superb job today. Yeah, he did. I think it was his lap time was deleted in Q1, I thought, because he, I think he went, did he go out in Q1? But then his lap time was deleted. So I think that's what it was. But yeah, it's a stark contrast to last year where he qualified 10th and was the first retirement for that horrendous first lap. Um, so yeah, he's uh, he's done the complete opposite this time. Started last and then ended up in the points. So yeah, solid, solid result. He was, uh, it had a slightly odd strategy, I thought. It seemed seemed a little bit strange. And just the, I'm sure we'll talk about later, the Alpine operationally today was just a bit strange all round. But but um being the first guy to pit at all, you know, completely what lap ten, um, slightly slow stop, lost him a couple of places as well. And then but fortunately the VSE came around at the right time and that uh, that certainly made him um get off some El Pain killers for the uh, uh to, to to avoid the uh, the the embarrassment of zero points for his new team on their um on their debut. So yeah, solid result for Pierre Gasly there. Um with Esteban Ocon being completely out of the way, that delays my prediction of him getting a race bound after colliding with him for a few races at least. But uh, I'm convinced it's happening. I'm convinced it's coming. You can see you can see that he's 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 very happy in his new team, but he's ultra competitive. And when you're that competitive, especially with someone in your team who is of a similar level to you, uh, I, I think that's gonna that's a very that's the most combustible lineup on the grid. And I include Alonso and Stroll in that. So that's uh, that's that's going to be entertaining to watch for the rest of the year. But great start for Gasly, uh, starting at the back through into the points that's a stark contrast to his teammates so he's going to be happy but Alpine they were making all the right noises in pre-season everyone was impressed with them thought they were going to be the fourth best car because we hadn't really predicted Aston Martin so 
expectations changed to the fifth best car. Realistically, it looks like they've got the sixth fastest car on the grid at the moment at best, which is, um, yeah, not great. Not great for them. So they need to improve. They need to get some updates on the car. And, uh, yeah, it's either that or they just massively underestimated everyone, which wouldn't surprise me. But even so, but um, just Gasly aside, I think they've got, a, they've got a solid serial point scorer in Pierre Gasly. And it's not going to be the first time and not going to be the only time this season we're going to talk about him quietly coming home to get some solid points finishes. So, yeah, good job all round from Pierre. Yeah, he's so, he's showing the form that he you know he displayed at Alpha Tauri before 2022. I mean, he pulled up some incredible results for that team back in the day as well when they were Toro Rosso two before that. Um, so yeah, good on him. Great great debut for Alpine today for him. Um, a great first race of the season as well for for Williams. Phil, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about both of them here, obviously, because Logan Sargent is the first American in Formula One for quite some time. Uh, but Alexander Albon bringing home his Williams in tenth place, just ahead of Yuki Tsunoda, uh, a point for Williams to start the season. Fantastic for them. And I'm sure Logan Sargent would have had his doubters coming into this season, thinking he's not quite ready, that he's only been put in there just to raise the profile of Formula One in the States. But I thought he did a very good job today. 12th place for him and not that far off his teammate. Yeah, and I for the comparison will always be to your teammate. That's just motorsports in general. But you're giving up a lot of experience and time to Alex Albon. So in general, it's a learning year for him. But he's shown over time in lower formulas and F3 and even last year, you give him time, he's going to figure it out and he's going to be able to perform. Now, is there a big, uh, is there a big body of work? No. But in the grand scheme of things, Williams is a team that for all intents and purposes, people are saying they're going to be on the back of the grid for a good part of this season. So for them to be able to get a 10th and a 12th today, and Logan Sargent made a great start in the race. He moved up three or four spots initially, which, I mean, if you're going to compare him to who was in that car, that generally wasn't happening. He was competing. He was trying to make things happen. He was racing with the likes of Lando Norris, you know, and Yuki Tsunoda, all, the, all these other guys in that level. I mean, that is a positive sign for Williams in terms of having somebody to support Alex Albon who last year at times was taking the worst car on the grid and getting points out of it. Um, now that he's healthy again, now that they kind of free rolling in a lot of ways, who knows what can come with the uh, Williams. I know they wanted more out of qualifying. Uh, I think that Logan wanted to make it out of Q Q1. Um, he had a chance, but Al Albon did. For Williams, it's we're going to keep everything very muted in terms of what expectations we have for them but hey for for what they are and what the real expectations are to get a point out of the first round of the championship is is good they're ahead of three teams right now so it's a, a nice thing to have going into two weeks from now at uh, saudi which is a difficult circuit in general so we'll see how the rookie um is able to take that on yeah, the uh, the Jeddah Corniche circuit is definitely a baptism by fire for an inex inexperienced Formula One driver. It's terrifying just to play on the game, let alone in real life. So, although visibility has been improved there slightly for this year, there's, they've changed the profile some of the corners for that. So that'll probably help, but it doesn't make it an easy race by any means. Um, 
Let's uh, let's move on to AlphaTauri next. Uh, Yuki Tsunoda coming home in 11th and Nick DeVries on his AlphaTauri debut in 14th today, Aaron. I think I think realistically that's probably kind of where we expected him to be. I mean, Tsunoda had a, had a decent race today, I thought. Definitely better than a lot of his races from last year. And DeVries, I mean, are you not perhaps a little bit disappointed from him? Although he did start in 19th today. Uh, on Yuki Tsunoda, I'm pleased for him because... I have a lot of doubts about Yuki Snowder. There was a lot of hype uh, when he made the jump from F2 to F1. I think he needed an, another year in Formula 2 to sort of keep refining his skills. And he's he's basically having to learn to swim amongst sharks at the moment. And he's just about surviving. But if his performances don't pick up, he's going to get eaten this year. And we we don't want to see drivers struggling we've seen it before like the ricardo situation last year was painful for everybody to watch because daniel ricardo is a popular figure and yuki snowda is a popular figure as well that said he's got to deliver and we know that uh helmet marco won't wait to just you know let people find their feet in a red bull car if you're not performing you will be out he done, he's done a good job today coming through the field, benefited from being on soft tyres towards the end. And that's why Nick DeVries doesn't look so hot at the moment because he kind of got hung out to dry on old hard tyres. And we all know how the story ends if you've got a car on old hard tyres trying to defend against cars on fresher soft tyres. So that was always a slam dunk for, for those. That was how the Williams guards Carl's got ahead of DeVries as well. He was actually running quite well before that. So it's one of those, you win some, you lose some. And with AlphaTauri, they were unfortunate to miss out on a point. Sonoda finishing just a second behind Albon. So I was pleasantly surprised with their pace because I, I was concerned that they were going to have another difficult season with, uh, with Sonoda, who's got some doubts and a relative rookie in De Vries, especially in Formula One terms. But, you know, happily proven wrong this weekend. But in Sonoda's case, he has gone well at Bahrain in the past, and then his performances have tailed off. For him, it's about getting that performance level as good as it can be and keeping it there, even if the car isn't allowing him to score loads of points or whatever. It's about that performance level for Yuki. And Nick De Vries, it's about building that confidence within the team. Yeah, and uh, certainly the uh, the card, probably, I'd say it looks quicker than last year. They really struggled last year. I think they were ninth in the constructors in the end or something like that. It's an awful year last year for AlphaTauri, but looking slightly better this year. Um, another team that's perhaps looking a little bit better. I mean, not going off for 12 months ago, obviously, where they had an incredible result, but the Haas, the Haas team today, uh, Kevin Magnussen at 13th and uh, Nico Hulkenberg in 15th, despite showing some real pace in qualifying at times. Uh, what, what do you chalk this one up to, Tom? Do you think this is a bit of a disappointing one for them or is it kind of what we really saw happening with them? Well, I think uh, Nico Hulkenberg has certainly 
he's certainly got the memo with regards to losing front wings and opening stints of laps. So he's uh, he's taken after Kevin Magnussen brilliantly there. So yeah, I think I think operationally they were a bit they were a bit flat today. That that was a bizarre strategy to start Kevin Magnussen on on the hard tire. All that was going to do was guarantee that he lost track position to everyone else. And sure enough, he was last by the end of the first lap. I'm pretty sure. Um, certainly the first time I noticed him, he was last. And it was just trying to trying to come back from that. A bit of a bizarre three-stop strategy, which then kind of got rescued a bit by the virtual safety car, allowing him to kind of move forward. But even so, with, with all that, the bad strategy, he still seemed to have the legs on Hulkenberg for, for race pace. And Hulkenberg, heroic in qualifying. We've seen that before. We saw that at Silverstone when he was super, stubby, super subbing and qualified P3, I think it was. So... We know that he's got great qualifying pace. He's he's a pole position sitter, the same as Kevin Magnussen, actually. But they've both had poles in Brazil, so they're obviously quick over one lap. But the race pace just wasn't there for Hulkenberg today, and the strategy wasn't there for Magnussen. I'm absolutely convinced they will score points this year, and they just need to sharpen up operationally, I think. Because that's the, I think the, the future looks good for, for Haas this year. Maybe not as good as last year, but uh, I certainly think that they can... They can certainly look to try and finish seventh or eighth in the championship. Um, that's definitely they. They can certainly look to try and consolidate what they did last year. But I think the headline results probably won't be there. But the consistency should be there now that they've uh, lost the uh, lost the point hemorrhager that is now in the Mercedes team. Lucky them. So yeah, Haas. I'm very. Uh, I, I'm optimistic, cautiously optimistic with how I would uh, how I would rate their weekend. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, let's let's go further down the order. Uh, let's mention uh, Joe Guan Yu next, the uh, the other Alfa Romeo driver. I mean, obviously, I think I, I think he scored points in his debut twelve months ago in Bahrain, and it's a bit of a bit of a come down from that film, and especially with a gap to uh, to his teammate Bottas, who finished in eighth place. I think today is definitely one to forget for him. Definitely uh, not what he wanted. I think he was a lot better earlier in the weekend. I mean, we go back to testing and he actually set a quick time during one of the sessions. So what happened between two, a week, couple of weeks ago and now in mm. reality, but also the notion that his teammate is much more experienced and generally considered better than him. Who knows? Maybe it was just uh, they didn't get the setup right for him. You know, he wasn't comfortable and whatever the pit stops didn't work out relative to trying to get ahead of who else he was around. Uh, we'll see what happens this next race in, uh, in uh, Jeddah and uh, kind of, I think these first three or four races, I mean, I think it's what three races and then there's a month break. Mm. It's an assessment period for everybody. And then once they get to Baku is where we kind of, you know, really start seeing where everybody is going to start, what their real, real situation will be for a lot of the teams that aren't Red Bull, because we already know where they're going to be. Yeah, fair enough. Big old gap between um, between Australia and Baku rounds three and four, where the Chinese Grand Prix was until it got cancelled. So, yeah, there's a long time to think about the opening three rounds of the season, time to reflect and improve. And hopefully one of those teams that improves are McLaren, Aaron. Um Man, I mean, we, they had a horrible race here 12 months ago and obviously they improved quite quickly after that. I'm really hoping that is going to be the case. But uh, Lando Norris, the last of the runners, 17th. Oscar Piastri retired. 
even Lando Norris had some sort of electrical problem or something through the race that was costing him time. But, you know, uh, as a fellow McLaren fan, I'm hurting with that one today. That was that was really bad. And I think you tipped him to be the disappointment of the season in our um, in our predictions. And seems like you might be right. <laughs> Yeah, it was a difficult weekend for McLaren. It wasn't for the lack of proper pace because Norris got, uh, was he 11th on the grid or did he get into Q3? He got into Q3, didn't he? P10, I think. He was um, 11th. But yeah, he wasn't 11th. miles off. Okay, yeah. So he wasn't dramatically off. So the pace is there. Piastri is going to obviously take a little bit of time to settle in and get get himself up to speed. And the problems that they faced today weren't, I say weren't car related, they were mechanical issues. So an electrical failure for Piastri where he lost the gears and lost the engine. Uh, the air pressure problem for Norris, which we're kind of seeing more and more often, actually, because it used to be a very once in a blue moon thing. It's now become more of a commonplace thing to see. Um, but yeah, they're not fundamental aerodynamic deficiencies. Okay, the, the car itself definitely needs improving. And I do think there's something about the Bahrain circuit that just the way they build their cars, it just isn't compatible. So you, we might go to Jeddah and all of a sudden they're in the hunt for the fringes of the points. And I, I think today without the issues that Norris faced, he would have been somewhere around where Gasly and Albon ended up. Somewhere in that. He might not have got points, but he would have been somewhere in contention for it, I think. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how they pick themselves up from this. They've got an outstanding performer in Lando Norris. So if they get the car right, if they get it sweet, he's going to do the job. And a potential superstar in Oscar Piastri. So it's not for the, the lack of driving skill. The car is okay it's not as bad as it was feared after testing but things could certainly have gone a lot better today yeah definitely want to forget and i will hope to do so very quickly also a day to forget for esteban ocon um he had so many penalties he's ridiculous tom i mean try and sum it up i think he had to have a wing change he got a penalty for a collision. He got a penalty for not taking a penalty. He got a penalty for speeding the pit lane twice, I believe. Um, I mean, honestly, I think the World Cup final had less penalties. Uh, it was absolutely laughable. Um, just try and sum up his day because absolute nightmare. Yeah, I mean, you've it's. I've got it all listed here. Exactly what happened to it. It was a five second penalty for for overshooting his uh, his his grid markings. Then he had to have a front wing replacement because the end fence was loose. Then he got um, he got an additional penalty for not serving the penalty correctly. He's got a five-second penalty, of which I can't remember exactly what that was for. Maybe it was a collision with somebody. Uh, then he got another penalty for speeding in the pit lane and then got an additional penalty for not serving the penalty correctly. Um, and it's just... I mean, I mentioned El Payne for Gasly. This is El Payne all over. Um, I, I take absolutely... Lots of joy in saying how bad Alpine are doing at the moment, but uh, no, it's it's not good. It's not great at all. They they need to sort this out because this was driver error led to team error, led to team error, led to driver error. It was just a catalogue of mistakes. It was an absolute embarrassment for Alpine, and that's just, it's not good enough. 
absolutely not good enough. One half of the garage should be absolutely ashamed. And it's it's the whole team on that side as well. The Gasly side maximised their weekend from from the disappointment of qualifying. They did the best they could. Ocon did absolutely nothing. And it, again, it was it was down to him and down to the team. Neither can blame each other. They both just need to go home, sort themselves out and pick themselves up and go again because it's yeah i i I mean there's not much more i can say on that it's just absolutely horrendous so yeah they they really need to pick themselves up and do better because that was bad very bad really bad laughably bad i I, honestly i was just laughing i mean i think um i think i think his race engineer was like yeah esteban we've got we're going to serve a penalty this pit stop it's 15 seconds (laughs) <laughs> it's like that just oh, it just got worse and worse and even after all that he was still ahead of Norris for the most part so I I was I was laughing and crying at the same time at that um and also crying I think will be uh at least they probably want to after this race will be Charles Leclerc Phil I mean the, the warning signs were there with I think we had an energy store replacement before the race which is really really bad before your first race when you have two to last all season um, but then he had an engine failure when he was running in third place. Uh, he did all he could. He got to second off the line. He held off Perez for as long as he could. He was the only guy that could mix it with the Red Bulls today. But that is that is some more pain in Bahrain for him. I mean, coming off of uh, winning the race there last year and then uh, <laughs> a year later being in a position to possibly get a podium, only lose a handful of points to Verstappen you go and leave with nothing and two of the power unit components that you can only have two of for whatever reason it's just stupid I mean they run more Grand Prix and they have less components I don't understand how that makes a lot any sense but whatever uh that's f1 for you in that sense but for Leclerc I mean he's very his mood is very uh he's, he needs the momentum is all based like if he's feeling very good he looks like a that next big thing or whatever why ferrari has put so much in him but then when things like this happen you start seeing the downtrodden you see how sad he is and he you he wears it on his sleeve and for ferrari getting the second row lockout um was good pace relative to red bull wasn't there but overall but they could have gotten a 2-4 out of this deal instead or a 3-4 out of this race. And, but now you've got major engine concerns or power unit concerns, whatever, uh, with two of the components. He blows an engine. I mean, it's, it's about as bad as you can start a season, really. And uh, they got a race in two weeks' time, probably with grid uh, possibility. Well, maybe not grid penalties, but... Uh, that will probably come sooner rather than later anyway, but it's not good when you're trying to compete for a world championship when you're going to be taking grid penalties prior to the summer break, which um, is very likely in the sense of uh, Charles Leclerc. But uh, if I guess if you're going to fall out of a race, falling out of the first one is probably the only good one to do because you got 23 more to go or 22 more to go. So uh, you can only go up from here. Indeed, indeed, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, obviously, the, both Red Bulls retired from the first race of the season last year, and look where they ended up. So there is, there is hope for Ferrari for sure. But um, 
definitely concerned as well with the amount of engine components he's already used. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, those are the 20 teams, uh, sorry, the 20 drivers and the 10 teams. We've gone through them all for you. Um, now it's time to pick our driver of the day. Um, now, it's a very obvious choice here, understandably, but I am going to go for someone a bit different. I'm going to go for uh, Fernando Alonso today. I, I thought he was brilliant. He did have he did have one mistake where I think he hit into the back of uh, Carlos Sainz while he was trying to pass him. That was very uncharacteristic. But other than that, the guy drove the wheels off his car, as you expect, and ended up with a podium for Aston for his Aston Martin debut. I don't think you could have really asked much more than that today. Um, Aaron, who's your pick for driver of the day? Uh, I like your shout for Fernando Alonso. I think he kind of made this race, but I'm not going to pick him. I'm going to go for Alex Albon uh, getting Williams off the mark in the first race. I think, oh, when was the last time they got points in the opening round? You may be looking 2017, perhaps, because 18, they had Stroll and Sorokin, so that was pretty unlikely. Uh, yeah, maybe as far back as 2017, if I memory serves me correctly and that's just me guessing so yeah top job from Alex Albon it could have even been double points had there been a bit more attrition up the front uh, but yeah a, a point to kick things off for Williams uh, and they're immediately off the bottom of the constructors table <laughs> yeah and let's hope they uh, stay off the bottom of there I think I know who is at the bottom at the moment unfortunately but I'm not going to guess um, yeah, very very worthy for that. Yeah, good good point on uh, on the first race of the season for sure for for Williams to get him off the mark. Tom, who's your pick for driver of the day? Um, I am going to go Fernando Alonso with you as well. Um, I think I mean there's not much more we can say about Fernando Alonso's performance. Max Verstappen, yeah, is the other obvious one because of just how dominant he was. But you know, even managing a minor issue as well and still winning by country mile. But but yeah, Fernando. He, I think, what helps with with driver of the day is the fact that he also had a bit of adversity to to overcome as well, and and he got that car where the car could possibly have got to if it had started in the place he should have started. But yeah, so that basically that car got to where it absolutely could have got to. There's nowhere else it could have gone, and uh, and he got it there despite having a couple of Mercedes and a couple of. Uh, a couple of other um, uh, roadblocks in the way. So, no, absolutely solid, solid performance. Uh, very, very lucky with two collisions not to, uh, not to, you know, not to have any damage. So uh, they build them strong at Aston. Yeah, and those Pirelli tyres are pretty strong too on them, on them as it, it turns out. I don't know how he didn't get a bunch of stroll, but thank God he didn't because it was a great result for him in the end. Uh, Phil, who's your pick for driver of the day today? I'll give it a clean sweep for Fred. Uh I mean, considering his fan base and wanting to see him compete up in the front, it's been a while. Uh, what is it? Uh, Qatar in 2021. So last podium, and he's, I think he started on the front row or the second row in that race too. Um, I mean, he did qualify on the front row last year in Canada, but uh, for somebody who's as competitive as he is and as the shown the talent of 32 Grand Prix wins and two world championships in the past, uh, having him up there kind of mixing it up adds a little bit of spice to what generally looks like the status quo up front. So for that, we should uh, give the guy credit and um, we'll see what he brings to the table here as the next couple of races come along here in Jeddah and at uh, uh, Melbourne. 
Yep. So three for Alonso, one for Alexander Albon, uh, none for Max Verstappen. The guy was absolutely faultless today. But you know, whoever your driver of the day is, you can tweet us out at Fun Chronicle. You can comment on the live chat as well. Obviously, we are going out live. Let us know who your pick for the the driver of the day today was. Um, but yeah, thank you to my panelists for coming on the, the show today. Uh, Aaron, I've mentioned that you are the man behind AHGP. What is that, and uh, where can people find it? Uh, so you can find it on YouTube, on all good podcast platforms. Uh, George, you have been on already this year. Phil, you have already been on as well. Tom, I want you to be on this year as well. So uh, there's your, your formal invite. Um, yeah, so I just talk about motorsport, basically. It's my opinions. It's all sorts. So we do sort of feature shows where we have conversations about things that are going on. So Phil, you and I spoke about testing and the FIA nonsense george you and i had a look at uh the three returning drivers to formula one uh and there's lots of topics that we can get stuck into throughout the season so i want to cover formula e which i do with my live streams and i want to cover formula two a little bit as well and the junior formula and just anything that happens um yeah you can find it there you can find me ahgp pod on twitter and uh yeah you can find me on instagram as well ah grand prix Thank you for that. Yeah, no, it's a great show. I've been on a few times now, back in the days when it was the Five Red Lights podcast as well. And yeah, Aaron covers some great topics, asked some great questions. He, he asked them kind of questions where you just have to sit there and think, hmm, okay, well, let me think about my response here. So that's always a good sign. Uh, Tom, I've mentioned that you are the man behind the Fireside series on, on iPhone Chronicle and also uh, one of the co-hosts on the Monkey Seat podcast. Yeah, uh, we've. Uh, we'll, I'm sure we're we'll getting some more fireside podcasts up fairly soon. We'll be chat to people from in and around Formula One. I had Chris Medland on at the start of the season, where he predicted Fernando Alonso will win a race this year, and uh, we said, "What? That's crazy, Chris! You're absolutely nutter." So it doesn't seem so silly now, does it? So if you want more input like that, keep an eye on the uh, on on the Grid Talk channel, and you'll you'll see those fireside episodes. Myself and my good friend Carl, we do a uh, an uncensored podcast called The Monkey Seats, which has been going since. Uh, since the start of the pandemic um, and uh, coming out of the ashes of Formula One and we, 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 we've started up again this year and we're, we're uh, basically it's just two lads having a laugh about Formula One uh, we don't worry too much about um, about bleeping out swearing or anything like that Carl gets a bit crazy sometimes and goes on rants it's always a good laugh I try and temper his uh, temper his uh, <laughs> his moods a little bit but it's it's good fun trying anyway so come and give us a check out uh, monkeyseatpod.com or on the socials at monkeyseatpod yeah, nobody is safe from the Monkey Seat podcast, including me. I got targeted recently on the latest show, and Carl very nicely apologised. And I accept your apology, Carl. I really do. I didn't name you. I didn't name you. No, no, but he he, he contacted me after fair play to him, and I actually listened to the show, and I thought, yeah, he is. He is indirectly called me out there, but you know what? Fair enough. It was funny. I, I laughed. Um, so, so yeah, uh, Phil, I have mentioned that you are one of the people behind uh, the Grip Strip podcast. What is that and where can people find it? Just like uh, Tom and Carl's show, uh, the Grip Strip podcast came around during uh, at the start of the pandemic. And now we're in year four, season four, episode 159 uh, this coming week. And uh, we cover all things motorsports, the way I say it, as long as it goes fast, we talk about it on the Grip Strip podcast, myself and uh, Josh Fine, the former iRacing Indy 500 champion, which of course it doesn't exist anymore on iRacing. So he'll for, for perpetuity be an Indy 500 champion in a, form, in a format that doesn't exist. But 
Um, he tried to win Daytona. Hasn't happened yet. We'll see what else he can do in other forms of motorsports. You can find us on all good um, podcasting platforms. You can also find the show on philipgmatthew.com, my blog site. Um, you can find me at philipgmatthew on Twitter and Josh at JP Huffine and uh, his uh, Twitch streams at Sailor 2 when he's on iRacing. So um, thanks again, guys, and thanks. Glad to be on for uh, another year, of course, the second time this year. So getting on nice and early, uh, probably going to be some times when that ain't going to happen, but um, glad to be on with everybody here. And good job, George, as always, uh, hosting the show. So uh, glad to be on with you guys. Oh, thank you, Phil. It's always a pleasure having you on here. And it's uh, obviously, yeah, check out that show as well. It's a, it's a lot of fun. It's very, it's a long form podcast. It's different to most of the shows that we do over here. But yeah, they cover so much. It's it's brilliant what they do. Um, and I think this is the first time I'm going to mention this on the on the show. Uh, we do have a new merchandise store. So if you go over to Redbubble and search up for Grid Talk, you can find you can find some. You might the video viewers may have seen some of the mugs and merchandise yet. Um, obviously, we we have Grid Talk mugs. We have we have good talk shirts like Phil is very proudly displaying my fan club one. Every host has a fan club shirt, and uh, some people like Phil have uh, have some different ones as well. Like Philip Matthew is my spirit animal, like his mug there, just as well. Yeah, um, and there's all there's also notepads on there. There's stickers. There's, there's all sorts of stuff. Definitely go and check that out if you really want to support the show. That's a great way to do it because we get a good amount of the profits for that. So that's a great way to to you know we can feed some money back into the show for some better lights, mics, and. Better recording equipment, just like on our Patreon as well. So search it up on there as well. You can become a patron on there. Uh, and if you have some ideas for merchandise as well, by all means, DM us. Give us some suggestions. You know, we're open to suggestions for this. If you can think it up, we can probably make it on there. So, yeah, just let us know about that. Um, Grid Talk is also available on YouTube, where most of the episodes are recorded live, just like this one, as well as Amazon Fire, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal, and Pocket Cast. Just search for the Formula One Grid Talk podcast on all of those. And you can find our big back catalogue of shows, over 250 episodes now, which is just crazy to think. And we're gonna we're gonna top 350 overall by the end of the year, I'm sure. Maybe 400 if we keep going like this. Um, and you can also uh you can also Access us via uh, SkyQ or SkyGlass in the UK, where you can find us via the Sky Sports F1 podcast section. We're still on there, which is amazing to see. Uh, and yeah, I want to thank everybody, thank panelists again for coming on the show. Really much appreciated, lads. Really enjoyed today's show. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Right. Always great being on. And we'll be back in about a week's time to preview the second race of the season, the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. But until then, thank you very much for watching and listening and goodbye.